From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Intel is the state's largest corporate employer. 22,000 people work at the chipmaker's suburban campuses in Washington County. It's at the heart of Oregon's Silicon Forest. But when Intel announced it was planning a $20 billion expansion, that investment went to a state that starts with O, all right, but not Oregon. Ohio got the bid and the thousands of jobs that go with it. Here's President Biden at the State of the Union address last month applauding Intel CEO's Pat Gelsinger for Intel's investment in Ohio. Intel CEO's Pat Gelsinger, who is here tonight, I don't know where Pat is. Pat, there you go. Pat, stand up. Pat. Pat came to see me and he told me they're ready to increase their investment from 20 billion to 100 billion. That would be the biggest investment in manufacturing in American history. So why not Oregon? In this episode of Straight Talk, we answer that question and look at how the greater Portland region can position itself now to land the next manufacturer looking to relocate or expand. Welcome to my guest, Monique Claiborne, the president and CEO of Greater Portland Inc., a nonprofit public-private partnership which advances regional economic development and job growth in seven counties in both Oregon and Washington. Also joining us, we're pleased to have Oregon State Representative Janelle Bynum with us from Happy Valley, a member of the House Business and Labor Committee. She's an engineer and also a businesswoman who, along with her husband, operate four McDonald's restaurants in the Portland metro area. And we also welcome Jennifer Baker, president of the Columbia River Economic Development Council in Clark County. She brings us the perspective from north of the Columbia River. Welcome to Straight Talk, everyone. We appreciate you being here. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're pleased to have you here, Monique. Let's start with you. You know, how disappointing was it for you that Intel chose Ohio for its new U.S. factory and not Oregon? Why, why wasn't it us? Well, I think we know that we really are the heart of R&D for Intel. Um, we as a state, we don't do high volume chip production. And so while it, was, it wasn't a huge disappointment, it was, however, a wake-up call that we do need to mobilize resources, people, and ideas, and really continue to spur innovation in our region. Well, let's listen to what Intel's Pat Gelsinger said about the impact of the new chip factory for Ohio. This impact of a mega site like this is simply profound. A semiconductor factory is not like other factories. It's more like a small city supporting a vibrant community of services, suppliers, and ancillary businesses. You can think about this as a magnet for the entire tech industry. Representative Bynum, do you think there was more Oregon could have done to compete for this expansion? Absolutely. And I think that looking forward, it's an opportunity for us to build an economy that works for all Oregonians and that creates family wage jobs that everyone can look forward to. I think for us, it's, a, it's the ability for us to be forward thinking, um, not to be reactionary, and for us to take the $200 million that we just invested um, in the Future Ready program uh, to make it uh, a reality. And so we're expecting some very short-term gains from that, but ultimately I think a nice 6,000 job growth number would be a wonderful thing for Oregon.
And Jennifer Baker, you bring us the perspective from Southwest Washington. Having the kind of investment Intel would make with this expansion or any other company that might come here would have benefited the whole region, north and south of the Columbia, right? Absolutely. Anytime you have an established cluster, which we have with Intel and it's downstream, uh, the supply chain and the workforce base, one would hope to see that cluster be able to grow locally. Let's take a look at the importance of the computer and electronic industry in the region. Here's a look at Greater Portland's computers and electronics industry by the numbers. There are more than 41,000 employees and 359 organizations. Greater Portland's international computers and electronics exports, take a look at this, total more than $12 billion in 2020. And STEM occupations made up nearly a quarter of the region's jobs, 24% in 2020. And now I'm gonna show you a list of the largest computer and electronic firms in the region in both Oregon and Southwest Washington. As you look at these, there, there are a lot more of these as well. Monique, can you talk a little bit about how important manufacturing is to the industry, to the region? It's, it's huge, right, when you think about those companies that you just shown, the ecosystem that's surrounding those companies, right? The suppliers that come here as a result of that, the utilities, the capital investment, as Representative Bynum said, the jobs, um, the indirect investment. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And this single-handedly um, is an industry, it's a cluster in our region that we're strong in, that we're competitive in, um, and it's the heart really of many Oregonians and Southwest Washingtonians. Yes, Jen, a lot of people might not know the importance of manufacturing in Southwest Washington. Can you add to that? Certainly. About 9,000 of those jobs are based in Southwest Washington. And manufacturing really presents an opportunity for our states to introduce new net income into our environments. So we, as economic developers, support traded sector jobs and, uh, and companies, and those companies are selling goods and services outside of the region and yielding income that gets spent inside of the region. So manufacturing jobs are, are very important to any healthy economic ecosystem. Uh, I would add that manufacturing jobs because of the capital investment in the facilities, in the land development, often um, are what we call sticky jobs. They're jobs that don't jump around. They're not easy to relocate, certainly not a fabrication facility. So um, those are jobs that we see as having a lot of promise decades into the future. And let's expand on that, Representative Bynum. You're a businesswoman. What could an expansion like the one Intel's making or another company that the region might attract mean for small businesses? What kind of ripple effect does it have? So I would say as a small business person, what we look for is people with strong skills, whether it's people skills, those soft skills, math skills. And what is really, really important, I think, is having a stable community that has pathways for each person, however they, they choose to enter the workforce. So for me, as, as a young kid, um, I entered the uh, electrical engineering workforce through a middle school pathway program. And then if we have a high school pathway program, a community college program, and then a four-year program, that all bolsters small businesses in the community who can help with job skills and create those uh, entry points for the larger businesses. So it really is a workforce ecosystem that I'm looking forward uh, to seeing grow.
And to attract future manufacturing to the region, land is really a big issue. Intel's Ohio expansion will be on 1,000 acres. John Taponia from Echo Northwest said being ready and having serviceable land is key. Let's listen. Ohio knew that they wanted to be ready for whoever might show up. So they've had sort of an aligned vision on uh, trying to create an environment that would be attractive to a manufacturer like Intel. So sort of getting over that, not only developable land, but land that's then been serviced uh, and has some infrastructure together, that's, that's sort of step one. So what about the land? The land parcel Ohio had ready was a thousand acres. Monique, do Oregon and Southwest Washington have that kind of land parcel available? There's land available in Oregon, but not in greater Portland, right? To that, to that scale. Um, and I think what's important, even if you had the land, um, you want it in an urban market. Um, you need to be close to talent. You need to be close to suppliers. Um, you can put this at the bottom of Mount Rainier, right? But um, your workers, your engineers, your tech folks, um, it's, it's a lot more goes into uh, just the land itself, right? And even having the land, parceling the land, the different landowners. Um, I mean, we're talking years in the making, right? To have and assemble that type of land in that region. And Jen, do we need that big of a parcel to attract significant new investment? We definitely do. Whether it's a manufacturer, the scale of Intel or Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, um, manufacturers are looking for larger parcels Last year, the average manufacturing parcel request for companies looking to relocate into Clark County specifically was about 73.75 acres. So um, even that is a pretty considerable parcel if you look at our, our footprint. And growth management planning across Oregon and Southwest Washington strives to balance residential, commercial, and industrial land holdings um, and to, to attain a balance but what it doesn't necessarily do is aggregate net buildable acreage in the type of parcel and large impact parcel that Monique was just sharing about. Representative Bynum, what about the education we're able to provide in the region? Are there investments we could make in education that would make Oregon and Southwest Washington more attractive? Absolutely, I think taking education seriously um, has been a number one priority for Oregonians, um, whether it was through the Measure 97 funds, the Student Success Act, um, as I mentioned before, the Future Ready investments in workforce, all of those work together um, to make Oregon have a more competitive workforce. One thing I should mention is that the ROI uh, that people make in individually on um, educational investments, whether it's at the community college level or the four-year college level, has to make sense. And we know that in engineering and STEM fields, it absolutely pays off. You can spend you know, $20,000 to get a degree or a certificate, and you know that it'll pay for itself in short order. And Jen, we were talking that there are other educational opportunities in tech at Clark College right now. There are indeed. So Clark College has launched, launched a relatively new Associates in Applied Technology degree pathway. And that's a tremendous opportunity to get a foot in the door um, to see if there are further growth opportunities in a really fast growing industry. Um, and so we're excited to see that program build out at Clark. 
Monique, so we can see the high-tech industry in the region is invaluable to the region's economy. Why is it important as we go forward to have a bi-state approach when you look at attracting new manufacturing companies? So when a company's considering expansion, um, they don't get caught up in jurisdictions. Um, those are the lines that we, the people live here, um, pay attention to. They care about a region, right? And so um, we know that um, Vancouver and Portland um, are same communities, just a bridge separating them, right? And so it's important when we have a company here and they're interested in a region um, that we highlight across the state. There are different incentives, different tax credits. Um, Washington has actually uh, updated its incentives packages and it targets semiconductor companies, right? And so for a company that's coming here and they're considering the region, we wanna be able to highlight that as an option because we know the entire region benefits if they're in Vancouver versus if they're in Portland, right? And this year's State of the Economy report released by the Portland Business Alliance showed that of the four counties, Multnomah, Clackamas, Washington, and Clark counties, only Clark is showing growth. Jen Baker, what is Clark County doing that accounts for that growth? Well, a lot of the growth we see right now is really the result of planning efforts that took place 20 years ago or more. So a lot of people, when you drive over the bridge now, you see uh, the Southwest Washington, the Southwest Washington waterfront, uh, the Vancouver waterfront, just uh, cranes in the sky and new buildings and new quality of life amenities that have come to the waterfront. Um, and people are curious, you know, what's going on there? Um, how how did this come to be? And had there not been planning 20 years ago um, for dock reinforcements and sewer infrastructure and roadways put in place? then we wouldn't be seeing that type of activation now. Representative Bynum, is there anything Oregon and the region can learn from Clark County's success? Being intentional about success. One city I visited was Independence, Oregon, and they blew us out of the water uh, with, with their visit um, because they were being intentional about the infrastructure. They were being intentional about housing, intentional about building out their downtown, supporting small businesses. It's all about what you put out there, what you what you say that you want and the resources that you're willing to put behind it. And I think that's actually the job of the legislature to listen, to hear um, the task force uh, information that comes back and put the resources behind it so that we can put Oregon back on the map in um, the semiconductor industry or whatever industry we choose um, to invest in. And Monique, do you want to add to that? No, I think it's well said. Well, in a, in a guest column in the Portland Tribune, Monique Claiborne wrote, Oregon has an opportunity to seize market share from both international and domestic players as small, mid-size and large companies actively scout prospective U.S. manufacturing sites. We have to bid adieu to passive and complacent approaches to pursuing original equipment manufacturers called OEMs and suppliers. She also said we must act urgently. And when we come back, we'll take a look at what Oregon and Washington are doing to attract new manufacturing investments and what opportunities might be ahead in this election year. We're back in two minutes.
Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. After missing out on Intel's multi-billion dollar expansion, we're looking at what the region can do now to position itself to attract future high-tech investment and jobs. Welcome once again to our panel, the CEO of Greater Portland, Inc., Monique Claiborne, the president of the Columbia River Economic Development Council, Jennifer Baker, and Oregon State Representative Janelle Bynum. Thanks again, everyone, for being here. So let's talk about what can we do now. There's a market demand and also national policy and federal incentives for chip industry investment and expansion. And now both Oregon Senators Wyden and Merkley, along with Governor Brown and Congresswoman Bonamici, have announced a new Oregon Semiconductor Competitiveness Task Force. And Monique, you're on this task force. What's the first task? What are you doing? First task is really looking at the current status, um, diving into the problem statement, and understanding um, clarity around what the future state is, right? And what's the, the number one is, thing that you think we can do to attract new business? There are a number of different things that we can do, and specifically what this task force is focusing on, land, workforce development, tax incentives, regulations, research, um, supply chains. Um, and so all of those factors play into how we can aggressively, deliberately recruit uh, semiconductor investment to, to the state of Oregon. Why do you think we didn't have a task force like this in Oregon before this? I think um, we have benefited tremendously from Intel's investment, other companies' semiconductor investment into the region. Um, and it's been okay, right? Every, everyone's been, it's been a prosperous region, everyone's been doing well. And so when you start to see um, other companies and the reshoring um, and other companies competing for those, for those investments, again, like I said in the beginning, we kind of woke up, right? And said, okay, there's more out here at play. Um, and what can we do um, to bring some of that home? So wake up call. Representative Bynum, what more can the legislature do? As I mentioned before, I think it's being intentional about the businesses that we want to attract to Oregon. It's been very clear to me in my time in the legislature that we want businesses that um, pay solid wages, that provide people um, a steady, steady income, that provide benefits, that also contribute positively to our environment. We're not interested in businesses that pollute or um, have a detrimental health impact in our communities. So it really is about the intentionality of the legislature and being a, a very welcoming business environment. And I think quite honestly, we have a little bit of work to do there. So this was a really good wake up call um, to say, okay, what does Oregon look like compared to other states around the country in terms of its business environment and its willingness to grow the current industries that it's really profited from um, here so well. And let's talk about Washington. The Washington legislative session just wrapped up, as did Oregon's. Jen Baker, what are you hoping from lawmakers for the next session? Well, I was really pleased in this past session to see a small amount of money set aside for site improvements. Um, so it was a, about $2.5 million to help bring sites that are not quite ready to host businesses online. Uh, and I think there is a ton more opportunity to reinforce our investment in infrastructure, uh, whether that is roadways, site readiness, or the electrical power grid. I think sometimes we tend to believe in the great Pacific Northwest that we have an unlimited supply of 
electricity. And as we continue to grow as a region, um, you know, and we're pursuing different climate goals and green energy offsets, um, we really need to pay attention to what that power landscape looks like and opportunity knocks for us to be able to make further investment. One of the things Ohio did well, we heard, to seal the deal with Intel is they built personal relationships. They really lobbied Intel. Uh, some people said that they got to know their drink orders. Will you tell us more about that, Monique, and what Oregon could do better in that regard? I think we can we can use that as a blueprint, right? Um, we can get our, our governor involved. We can get our uh, legislators involved. Um, we can get um, private sector further involved um, in recruiting this investment to the region. I, I like that Representative Biden keeps mentioning it's about intentionality. And, and Monique, what new manufacturing opportunities might be in the pipelines that Oregon and Southwest Washington might be able to attract? We, we have a number of projects that Greater Portland Inc. is currently working, um, but they're in pause right now because we're waiting for the $52 billion CHIPS Act to pass from Congress. What about uh, tax incentives and things like that? There are some incentives that um, the at least the state of Oregon could review. I'm um, overseeing a subcommittee with the task force. Um, what we've seen now, other states have updated their tax credits and incentives portfolio. Washington has done that. Um, Ohio passed a new mega projects for their incentives for the Intel project. Texas has incentives, Arizona, they've updated their incentives and so, um, when I look at this, the task force and the subcommittee that I'm working on is what can we do, what recommendations can we make um, in updating the incentives that drive semiconductor projects to the region. I want to give you each an opportunity for a closing thought and, and to leave here on and a positive message about 45 seconds to a minute. Jen Baker, let's begin with you. Thank you, Laurel. We really have the opportunity as a region right now to mobilize um, the that the CHIPS Act in the U.S. Senate, the America Competes Act in the House, with our strong leadership of Senator Wyden and Senator Cantwell, um, we need to prioritize. We need to look at where we can reinforce the existing industry base and retain what we have. Um, some of the supply chain is working on aged infrastructure, and we have an opportunity to work with companies to try to bring a piece of that CHIPS Act money here to the region. Um, to update manufacturing facilities, update the power grid. And I think unless we have a very coordinated effort, um, there will be states who coordinate around us. And Representative Bynum. So I'm super excited about the opportunity for our kids and our young adults and our returning workforce members to um, get a piece of this. Um, as I was a young kid growing up uh, wanting to be an engineer, I, I thought I would do it at starting around age 11. And so the excitement that kids can look forward to a strong, stable career where they can um, live in Oregon, you know, they're born here, they can raise their families here. Uh, that is exciting to me. The $200 million that the legislature just put aside for uh, the future ready uh, workforce investments, super excited about that. And I'm looking to roll up my sleeves and grow future engineers here in Oregon. That sounds like a great plan. And Monique Claiborne, in about 45 seconds. It's a big election year for the state of Oregon. Um, and the decision um, starts at the top. Um, and so I would 
consider the slate of candidates currently running for uh, gubernatorial office right now and decide it, as it impacts semiconductor companies um, who's willing to come out and recruit um, and know the drink orders, right, uh, of those companies that are looking to expand their footprint. I want to thank our esteemed panel, Representative Janelle Bynum, Monique Claiborne, and Jennifer Baker. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I'd like to continue the conversation. And before we go, we wanted to take a moment to recognize the passing of a longtime journalist here at KGW. Floyd McKay was KGW's political and news analyst from 1970 to 1987, during some of the most tumultuous times of the last century. In that time, he reported on racial and social divisions, an increasingly polarized political culture and troubling world affairs, including traveling to Israel to humanize the ongoing conflict in the war-torn region. He called it like he saw it, but always with the facts and the truth behind him. Floyd McKay died earlier this month. He was 86 years old. We strive every day to honor his legacy and continue being the strong voice for the people here on Straight Talk. And thank you for watching. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk. Have a great week.